Hello, and welcome to a special bonus edition of Bardcast, the Shakespeare podcast. I'm Carson. And I'm Jeff, and we're here to talk about our favorite plays, or at least our favorite tragedies. Also our least favorite. The basic idea of this is we're doing the best and the worst of Shakespeare's tragedies. It's uh, more of a casual thing. And don't think this is preempting one of our other podcasts. We'll be doing those as well. Right. So the idea with this episode is it's basically an apology for the previous episode, where The audio is a big mess, and... It was really late. Yeah. And all of our my original lines were deleted. Yeah, basically, Jeff's original lines were lost. We did it again, they were lost again. So we basically had to do the podcast three times, including writing a script for a lot of it, which we don't like doing. So it was a huge hassle, and to sum it up, it was Jeff's fault. Uh, But mostly Carson's. Anyway, as part of the apology, I found a thing that reduces the background noise for recording, so we should have much less buzz for this episode, assuming that it works. Unless you like the buzz, in which case, contact us and we'll send you it uncut. (laughs) Okay, so this episode is just more fun. It's not a lot of research. It's more about our kind of personal opinions about things. Probably not even going to be edited that well. Okay, so, first of all, before we introduce our personal picks, I think that there are three obvious picks for the top three, which I would guess that this is going to be one of your picks. They are Hamlet, Macbeth, and Lear. King Lear. Right. And so we've got three different ages of man. Hamlet's the young student, although I think later they say he's in his 30s. But he still represents the young guy. Right. It's a weird continuity error. Macbeth is the manly soldier, you know, still passionate kind of guy. And Lear is past his prime, old, kind of decaying. These And they all go crazy, too. Right, because they're tragedies. These three plays are also the subject of the show that we celebrate a lot, Slings and Arrows. Each season follows the uh, theater troupe as they put on one of those plays. Right, which is completely justified because they're the best ones. Okay, so I flipped a coin to see who goes first, and Jeff, you're our first contestant on the best Shakespeare tragedy. Well, then that's the thing. There, I think there's a difference between the best and my favorite. Okay, well, that's fair enough. Because um, the best is Hamlet, clearly. It's just the best play. But, well, I'll let, you, I'll let you go with that. I mean, it, it depends on which play you're talking about. Like, if you're looking at Kenneth Branagh's four-hour production... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's not the best. It, and, like, when you've got four different versions of it... And, like, there's the Mel Gibson terrible version. Right. So, although I guess I'm giving it an unfair standard. I'm basically saying you can make a bad version of it. Which yeah. isn't fair at all. Every play can have a bad version. Sure, but yeah, I'll let you go with but that. But I think Hamlet ha- has just the most interesting and compelling story, as well as the best lines in Shakespeare. Absolutely. On the other hand, Macbeth is my favorite tragedy. Okay, I I, I could see that, definitely. Yes. I mean, Hamlet, because Hamlet is really long. <laughs> it, it's a very quality play, really good, but it's not something you go to for fun. <laughs> right, and it is very thoughtful. Mm-hmm. and morbid, and although Macbeth is focused around death very much. Yes, but Macbeth is quick and fierce and it's lively. energetic. Right. Even the killings are done in a more exciting right. way, where Hamlet's very introspective. So, yeah, I'd say Macbeth is my favorite tragedy, though I don't think it's the best tragedy. Okay, I, I could see that. I was thinking best-worst, but I mean, mm-hmm. that's, favorite is fine, too. Yeah, well, if we're doing best worst, then it's much harder to be able to determine that as well, because there's so many different qualifications. And you don't think Hamlet is a very interesting choice? Well, I mean, it's just like, you know, what's the best movie? 
what's your favorite movie is a completely different question. That's a good point, too. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I think Macbeth is obviously a good play. I kind of wish we did our episode mm-hmm. about it differently, because, like that one reviewer said, we do kind of drag on. Well, yeah, but... We're in charge, so screw him. <laughs> Anyways, so I think I really like Macbeth. It has compelling characters. Mm-hmm. It has a couple dangling plot lo- threads, but you know, sure. But like with a play, it doesn't have to all be resolved like in a book where you get to analyze it. Plays are supposed to carry you along, mm-hmm. and Macbeth does a great job of that. Like yeah. it's continuous. Um, grabbing you throughout the entire play. Plus, it's got a curse on it, so that's always fun. Yeah, and you've got Macbeth and Lady Macbeth are two of the best Shakespeare characters. And what's his face? McDonald? McDuff. McDuff. I don't know where I got McDonald. Uh, just the restaurant? McDuff is great, too. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably the restaurant. Yeah, McDuff is a great character, too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've got action scenes, all that sort of thing. Ghosts. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Got yep. a guy going crazy in a very active well, way. Well, all of them have a guy going crazy. Right, but in a very active and fun way. Mm-hmm. And then just a lot of really great lines, too. Mm-hmm. And as for the best part of Macbeth, I can't really say. I think the final scene, the, like the whole epic battle between Macduff and Macbeth is really good. Mm-hmm. Because just the way like uh, Macbeth knows he's going to lose, and he's like, whatever, I'm going to fight anyways, because that's who I am. Yeah, he still has this dignity and angry pride. Mm-hmm. It is just a fantastic scene. And also the prophecy coming true in a crazy way. It's all good. It is a great play. I can't argue with that. But that is not my pick for favorite tragedy. My favorite tragedy is King Lear. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> You're right about Macbeth being more fun. It is more fun than Hamlet or Lear. But I really think that Lear really paints a great emotional picture of a single man, of, of mm-hmm. King Lear. Like, it tells this really, really true and hard-to-swallow story about this guy who's just falling apart through age and his world falling apart around him. And his descent into madness is much less fun, but it's far more compelling, I think. I guess. My problem with King Lear is that it's too tragic. Right. Kind of. I could see that. I could see you having a problem with that. It's a matter of taste. But I think that it's just so powerful. Like, the emotion is so strong that it it's okay that it's just the emotion is sadness. Mm-hmm. Cordelia is a good character, too. Yeah, I can agree with that. There's, there's, a, there's a thought with Cordelia. We'll obviously get to this into the King Lear episode. Mm-hmm. But there's a thought with Cordelia that she's too perfect. If you pay attention to what she does, she's actually pretty stuck up and proud, too. Like at the beginning when King Lear is asking the children, how much do you love me? She says, well, I only love you as much as I have to. Like this very kind of technical, proud kind of, um, I'm going to be right, even if it's not polite. Mm, But that's also what sets her apart from her sisters who are, you know, evil. Yeah. They're on opposite sides of a scale, but neither are perfect. Like, neither are purely virtuous. She's just a different kind of, uh, she's proud, but she's not, you know, perfect, totally self-serving and evil in the sense of Goneril and Regan. I also, I do think that, uh, Lear has one of the more interesting uses of the fool, too. Right, right. Lear is the sadder play, and I, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the most tragic Shakespeare play, but. Well, it's not most tragic in terms of body count or anything like that, <laughs> because yeah. obviously some of the sillier plays have way more deaths, but it's just such a terrible tragedy of King Lear's descent into madness and mm-hmm. separation from reality. It, I think largely because it is so personal and real. Mm-hmm. Like, 
you could absolutely see someone falling apart mentally in this way. Like anyone who has experience with the elderly sees the connections between this and real life. Okay. So what's your favorite scene in King Lear? Oh, my favorite scene. Um, obviously the storm scene is good. Um, maybe the scene where he's talking with Cordelia about how he like near the end where how, how he'd like to start a new life where they'll just live in a prison basically. And it won't be a happy circumstance, but they'll be okay because they're with each other. Which So there's a fantastic comic about King Lear uh, from Hark a Vagrant, which we'll link on our website, bardcast.blogspot.com. And it's really funny. It ties together a lot of the King Lear stuff into a bunch of funny jokes. So you can check that out if you go to our website, and we'll provide a link. And she does a lot of good comics. Mm-hmm. on all sorts of stuff. I think there's some other Shakespeare stuff in there, too. Oh, yeah, plenty. Yeah. Like, the, she has a really good Macbeth one, too. Right, so check out Hark a Vagrant if you've got some spare time. We've done our favorite. How about our least favorite? You went first last time, so I'll yep. go first this time. Okay, sense. My least favorite tragedy. This might be a bit of a cheat, because the classification isn't really clear with a, with a lot of the bad plays, since they don't make any sense. The genre is kind of mixed. But my least favorite is Troilus and Cressida. You... Mm. Oh, did I pick yours? Yes. Oh, man. This is a really bad play. It's really no surprise. Um, I guess we can just both go at it. Okay. Like I said, the genre, who knows? Uh, well, it's, it's mostly tragic, but... Right. It's a story that forgot to have an ending. It's like, it's like just uh, the middle part of the Iliad, basically. Right, right, right. But even the Troilus and Cressida... Like okay, there's two different stories going mm. on. There is... The normal story of the Iliad, where there's the soldiers besieging Troy, and Achilles doesn't want to fight, and then he has to fight, blah, blah, blah. The same thing you've all heard a thousand times before. If you're into the Greek history. Which I am. (laughs) And therefore, every one of our listeners probably is, too. Absolutely. And then there's a second story of the title character is Troilus and Cressida, which actually gets much less time Mm -hmm. in the play. Like, it's a much smaller story, even though it's the title story. Basically, they're just in this relationship, and and they're in Troy, and they're in a relationship, and then Cressida gets traded to the Greeks. Right. It's this kind of classical tragedy setup where they fall in love, they get separated, the man has to do some crazy thing to get her back, like he kills a bunch of people, and then he walks off stage and never comes back. Mm-hmm. And then they just start following like uh, Achilles around, basically. Right. It's cutting between Troilus and Cressida and, and the Achilles story, and then the Troilus and Cressida story just ends. And it's like they forgot to have the scene where he gets killed or something, or they both get killed or something. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen. There's no resolution to that part of the story. Instead, other people go off and get killed. Right. So I like to think that um, the secret ending to Troilus and Cressida is that they all get killed, and it is secretly a tragedy. They just forgot to put it in. Like, and that would be what is most historically likely <laughs> as well. If you even look at the printing of Troilus and Cressida, it was obviously a last-minute addition to the first folio, for example. Like someone found it in his back office or something. <laughs> I was missing the last few pages, but it's still good. Right. I it could be, I suppose. <laughs> or it's missing some of the middle pages, maybe. Obviously, not not popular in, throughout history. Very few stagings of it, including, you know, people having to edit stuff to actually put it on at all. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to say about it? Yeah, I, I mean, we're, we're, we're going to do the play it anyways, because, right. you know, that's our job. Yeah. And maybe we'll find a good version of it to watch, but it seems unlikely. Yeah, it does seem really unlikely. Something that I think about is Kurt Vonnegut, a while ago, put up some rules for writing, which I suppose I can uh, link to also on the blog. 
and one of them is have a character you can root for. Oh, yeah, I, there, there's a lot of shows that just that completely forget that. Yeah, you don't have to have a good character. You can have a bad character you can root for. Like, you can root for Macbeth because he's such a powerful figure. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's clearly the villain, but... Yeah. But you have to be able to think like, yeah, he's good. I kind of, I, I kind of like him, even if he's not a good person. And Troilus and Cressida completely misses this point. None of the characters you really—they're all so distant and blasé. Like it's supposed to be this fantastic period of history, but everything they say is so ordinary. Okay, I found the list of the eight rules. Apparently, ah, uh, yeah. They're good rules in general. Kurt Vonnegut's obviously a great writer. Mm-hmm. Though uh, one of them is, be a sadist. No matter how sweet and innocent your leading characters make awful things happen to them. Right, so they're obviously not universal rules for all, so- all sort of writers, but that was just his rule. Mm-hmm. Obviously, even with Troilus and Cressida, Shakespeare has some very nice lines or individual speeches. Even in his worst stuff, Shakespeare does shine through. Mm-hmm. But the entire play is the problem. Mm-hmm. I would say that there is... I, I was competing with Troilus and Cressida and one other for this slot. Okay, so what was your other one? Uh, the first half of The Winter's Tale. Because <laughs> seriously... Uh, well, yeah, I could see that. It doesn't I mean, really make any sense... It was just so... Everything was just so forced at first. Like, yeah. I'm going crazy with jealousy for no reason. But to be fair, like, saying half of a story isn't very good. It's, well, that's it's only because, the tragic half. Yeah, it's because, but it's because it's only The comedy half, the half is great. He has to squeeze stuff in. So, yeah, he does have to kind of fast forward through the yeah. character's process. When we were watching that play, I didn't really get into it until the bear showed up. That's That's fair. Like we said in the previous episode, it is like a big line was drawn through the play, mm-hmm. and where and that bear is right on that line. And it just becomes, the play becomes so much better after that. Yeah. I could see that, it, but like I like I said, it is obviously shortened in time, so they yeah, you can't give as much detail to it. That doesn't make it a better play just because it has an excuse. Fair enough. Uh, the other top contenders for worst play are stuff like Coriolanus. You know, just yeah. the, the stuff that no one's heard of, really. And, and some of those are, like, even the stuff no one's heard of, some of those are good plays. It's just, we don't know much about them. Timon of Athens. I actually like a little bit of Timon of Athens, but it is really boring. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just like, I'm a guy, bad things happen to me. Right. There is a bit where he gets a silly revenge, and I really enjoy that. We'll get into that in the yeah. episode proper. But it is, that one scene is fun. Okay. Okay, so did you have any other uh, worst plays um, you wanted to talk about? Not really. I will say that I, I would just like to say my favorite line from Macbeth okay. is uh, when uh, Lady Macbeth is telling him to be bold, bloody, and, or bloody, bold, and resolute. Right. That's just, I just really like that line. There is a host of good lines in Macbeth, well, yeah. obviously. I like all of his stuff when he realizes that he is going to die. Yeah. And all of that stuff, where he, he'd rather die than live like a caged bear, for example. Mm-hmm. Just amazing writing. That brings a new theory. Was Macbeth the bear in Winter's Tale? I think he was, actually. Okay. It all, it all comes together. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's solid research we're doing here. The word bear is in both of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's it for our favorite and least favorite. This is the Shakespeare Code. This is obviously going to be a little bit shorter than a normal episode. Mm-hmm. A few things to do with the podcast itself and how we're going and where we're going, that sort of thing. First of all, please give us comments what you think about a more casual 
informed episode like we're doing here where we just kind of talk about our personal opinions. Yeah, I mean, we've still got histories and comedies to hit. Oh, yeah, and, and I'm sure we can think of other things to just kind of talk about in a more casual way. I say this every episode, but we are hoping to get onto a monthly schedule. I hope this episode... <laughs> I hope this episode is kind of an example of that we can produce episodes more rapidly than we have been. As sort of a community thing, a while ago someone sent me a message or put a comment on the blog, I don't remember, uh, if there was some way they could give us money. And I didn't know an easy way to do it until I actually looked it up. Which it, And it turns out it's super easy. What's super easy? Don't giving us money. Oh, okay. It is. I mean, all you have to do is send us cash in the mail. <laughs> well, that was my concern that they'd have to, you know, mail. I mean, us a letter you need our address, and we don't want to give that out because then you can send us letter bombs. Right, but actually, it's much simpler than that. All you have to do is go to the website podcastblogspot.com, and I've put up a button on there that has the the word donate on it. It's a PayPal link, and you can use any sort of card or your PayPal account to send us something if you want. There's no expectation that we're going to get a lot of money out of this or Mm -hmm. anything. And we're not going to start charging for the podcast or anything. Absolutely not. There is a little bit of a a processing fee that PayPal does. So, I mean, don't send us less than a dollar or you'd be, you know, giving most of your money to PayPal. And we hate PayPal. Yeah, we do. If all of our fans gave us $2, we would would have have $4. (laughs) So, I mean, just think about it. Earlier in the past, I've talked about the link to Amazon we have on the website. That does work. We actually have made $10 through that process, and we're about halfway to another $10. Most of the most of the money we've gotten through that is through people clicking on the link, going to Amazon, and buying something completely unrelated. Like, we've had people buy guitar strings, you know, just random stuff. And that works just fine for us. So, if you click through the link and find something else you want and don't need any Shakespeare stuff, that works fine for us, too. So thank you very much to those of you who have supported the podcast and us in that way. Mm-hmm. We've only gotten $10, which we're grateful for, but we have spent more than that. We have? Oh, when we had to buy the tickets, yeah. Well, I mean, we've done all sorts of stuff. We've bought headsets. we got to, you know, there's the labor, which we're not getting paid for. Mm-hmm. There's the foot massagers. <laughs> So we are up in the hole, so if you could send us any money, that would be nice. But, you know, we we don't really need it that badly. Right. If you want us to say anything in particular on the uh, podcast, if you want We us- will sell advertising time on the podcast, apparently. Well, that's one way to put it. Like, I like to think of it as more of a shout-out. We're not going to sell your products. You can send us a message at shakespearepodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And if you have your own podcast, we could mention you. Sure, we can. we can do whatever. Quid pro quo. <laughs> So, yeah, like I've said several times now, there's no demand that you give us anything. It would be nice to, you know, even the books a little bit. That's it for this episode. Yep, next we'll be back on track with... Shakespeare's contemporaries. Yep. Mainly Christopher Marlowe and Ben Jonson, the most interesting of his other people that he would have known. And who wrote his plays for him. (laughs) So, yeah, anyone else we can find, we'll talk about it too. Right, so I do want to get the community involved. I keep on forgetting to mention what people say on the blog, including today. Please let us know what you think about your favorite and least favorite tragedies. I've put up a poll on bardcast.blogspot.com where you can, you know, choose one of your favorites. I've only put four on there, the big three and Romeo and Juliet, but that should cover most people. Ugh, Sorry? Romeo and Juliet. You also put Othello and Antony and Cleopatra. Oh, there. right, I put more than that. Never mind what I say. And please also give us a review on iTunes. I think that's it. I can't think of anything else. Thanks for listening. Bye.